lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Well, I think we just did a whole show off the air uh, in the last five minutes. Yep. So we could be completely and totally spent, particularly you and me now, well into our 40s. We might be one and done here, completely and totally spent. Uh, you might get a, a substandard levels of mediocrity compared to the mediocre levels of mediocrity that you are accustomed to. I mean, I kind of feel like my work here is done and I'm really ready to call it a day. You maybe kick into the lazy boy and be 48 years old. What do you think? Well, I... I may have second wind. Lent's over, so I had a glass of wine last night. Um, I mean, I got my game face Oh, on. are you ready to go? Yeah. He's not dry anymore. No, I'm not dry. No, you've, got, you've, you've gotten the reboot? It's, a, it's Holy Thursday. I'm feeling the Holy Spirit. There you go. <laughs> got it. All right. So we, uh, of course, are the Steve Day Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Uh, pardon us. You just interrupted us in the middle of a pretty uh, um, uh, fiery conversation, which actually may come up later on in the program. Sure. Uh, you might get to... Uh, uh, a, a bit of a, a an ex post facto review of what we were just discussing. Let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. You can also look for us on those free speech alternatives, MeWe, Parlor, Gab, and Getter. By the way, I am Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. Uh, and, uh, of course, we are always honored that you have chosen to carve out at least some of your day to be here with us. You know, the next time it could happen here when they're telling you that could never happen here. You know, it might be it might be food. You know, when I first started talking about this like six months ago, and even then it just seemed like food shortages in America, really. And now we have the president of the United States warning you about food shortages Really? Okay. Inflation was 1.6% was the annual inflation rate in America when Donald Trump left office. 1.6. They're now telling us it is 8.5. So, I mean, what is it really? That's an 800% increase. Is that bad? Is that bad? Yeah, guys, that's pretty bad. So make sure you are prepared with our friends over at My Patriot Supply, all of their emergency food kits are in stock. Uh, these are long-lasting backups. They will stay fresh for up to 25 years with the proper storage. Uh, three square meals a day, including snacks, so that you and everyone in your care uh, has full nutrition just in case it goes down as it's been going down here for the last couple of years. Uh, if you want to take advantage of this, get free shipping right now. And $150 off, free shipping, and $150 off when you go to preparewithdace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E for preparewithdace.com. All right, coming up here today on the Thursday program, at the bottom of the hour, we are going to talk to a business owner who got himself censored on social media and it was for daring to speak out. We'll tell you more about that coming up here at the bottom of the hour. Three non-political questions coming your way next hour. We will continue on as well with the painful, and did I mention painful, book study that we are doing. I thought this was going to be rough, man. This has actually been harder than I thought it was going to be. The study we've been doing for Theology Thursday on Scott Atlas's book, uh, a Plague Upon Our House, talking about his time towards the end of the Trump White House, trying to save the country from COVID fascism, from branch COVIDians. We've got updated data from the CDC now pointing out that during the Omicron wave, there was absolutely no difference anywhere 
in any county that had a mask mandate or didn't throughout the course of the Omicron wave, which just continues on with the rest of the data we've seen with all of these coercive control. I'm sorry. Um, disease mitigation uh, efforts. Yes, uh, that's what they are, of course. Um, so next hour, we will continue. It is painful to observe the spirit of the age in its natural habitat, but it can be constructive because this book is showing us exactly what not to do at every single turn. So we will continue that conversation next hour for Theology Thursday. But let us begin, as we always do, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the hostile takeover has begun. Maybe. Here's a live look at the headquarters for the social media company, Twitter. Oh, my God. Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Everybody calm down. According to a filing with the Securities and Exchange Commission, billionaire Elon Musk is offering to buy Twitter for $43 billion, or about $54 per stock, a 54% markup in the stock price the day before he became the largest individual shareholder a few weeks ago. In the SEC filing, Musk says the best way for Twitter to be a bastion of free speech is to take the company private once more and also stated that if the board of directors decided against selling the company to him, his 9-ish percent stake in the company would be at risk pretty much a threat. Musk also said in the filing, quote, Twitter has extraordinary potential. I will unlock it. It's now time to see how many of the people running Twitter really are committed to their censorious leftist worldview. This news comes the day after the burgeoning Twitter account Libs of TikTok was suspended from the platform for quote-unquote hateful conduct. Libs of TikTok has been relentlessly exposing groomers within classrooms over the past few weeks leading up to that suspension. Moving on, in the midst of unprecedented inflation, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen had this to say. The recent IPCC reports confirm that our window of opportunity to leave our planet worthy of our children and our grandchildren is even closer to being permanently shut we must redouble our efforts to decarbonize our economies, recognizing that countries will use a range of tools, including carbon pricing, regulation, and subsidies to achieve needed emission reductions. Donald Trump went on Fox News recently to toe the narrative line on the conflict in Ukraine. From inflation to the loss of energy independence, it is so sad to watch. And now... Add to that what's going on in Ukraine. That's a that's genocide. What what's happening in Ukraine is people have never seen anything like that before. Speaking of Trump, he recently endorsed Dr. Oz for his Senate run in Pennsylvania. Yes, this Dr. Oz. Senator Clinton, one of the smartest people I've ever met. Dr. Fauci is too, but he's a very disciplined leader. Yes. He's a wonderful scientist. We need to work with China. And I love working in China, challenging your beliefs about what it means to be male or female. How do we keep guns out of the wrong person's hands? The greatest national security threat that we have is obesity. And we haven't had any interaction with President Trump at all. This is a campaign ad from his primary challenger, David McCormack. According to new court filings in the case related to the Oath Keepers and the events at the Capitol on January 6th, 2020, no less than 20 federal agents were in and around the Capitol building on that day, so there's that. 
And now's the part of the montage where we burn some brain cells. Here's Joy Behar and the view on the black nationalist terror attack in New York City. So we are 103 days into 2022, uh, and there have already been more than 130 mass shootings in America this year alone. They don't have this problem in countries where there aren't guns all over the place, but those countries do not have a Second Amendment. And I think that's the difference. That's the problem. But, like, you look at the U.K., there's almost no gun violence. You look at New Zealand, you look at Australia. When you take away guns, you take away gun violence. Rumor update, here's another random teacher. Okay, I feel like this needs to be addressed because a common comment that I keep getting under my videos about the Don't Say Gay bill is that I could possibly anger a parent or upset a parent. And... Although I don't go about my day trying to upset or anger parents, I do have to say that not angering parents is very low on my priority list as an educator. And finally, circling back to today's lead story, here's Lefty Blue Checkmark's reaction to Elon Musk's hostile takeover of Twitter. Bree Newsom says, y'all knew Twitter wasn't going to last, lol. Michael Volpe says, Elon Musk buying Twitter is the end of the world, basically. He'll amplify every extremist right-wing Nazi he can find. Max Boot adds, I'm frightened by the impact on society and politics if Elon Musk acquires Twitter. He seems to believe that on social media, anything goes. For democracy to survive, we need more content moderation, not less. The USA Singers says, Twitter should tell Elon Musk to go bleep himself, then delete his account. That's how you deal with an out-of-control narcissistic bully. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by My Underwear, or at least the people that uh, make it. Over at Tommy John, it is the absolute best underwear that you're ever going to own. They let me try a few pairs when they came on board as one of our partners a few years ago, and I have exclusively gone back to that well out of my own pocket ever since because of just how good of a product this is when you're wearing Tommy John underwear. You're just that much more comfortable so that you can do everything better. They've got dozens of comfort innovations. uh, And once you've tried it on, I'm living testimony to the fact you simply do not go back. All right. That's why they don't just have customers at Tommy John. They have fanatics. They've also got stuff for the ladies as well. I can't personally attest to how that feels, but if you uh, live in the state of South Carolina, contact your local senator, and he might be able to help you with that one. Uh, With over 17 million pairs sold, men across America love their Tommy John underwear, and I am one of them right now. If you want to get 25% off, that's huge savings. So whether uh, you're a first-time or a long-time fan, 25% off site-wide right now. Uh, when you go to TommyJohn.com slash Steve, that's TommyJohn.com slash Steve. All right. So let us get to the, the montage here. And was it just yesterday, the day before, I was lamenting that I just have no more trust in alpha males left. Right? Yep. We had that conversation. We did. That they are an increasingly rare breed, nearly extinct. And that I wasn't sure Elon Musk had the, the, the stomach for hand-to-hand levels of political combat. The last few years has taught us to not wait for alpha male deliverance. Do not wait for the knight to ride in on a steed. As, as your proxy to go into the battlefield upon your behalf that just has 
very seldom happened. And then we had a conversation where we stopped and thought about people in positions of alpha males in positions of power that have behaved in ways favorable to the values that made America what it once was that have behaved and acted as alpha males within those structures. And we could only come up with, or at least I could only come up with one name, the governor of Florida. And then I think I challenged you guys. Can you come up with any others? I mean, the, the, the reason why, the reason why we have dementia Joe is because we've previously had outsourced Donald. All right. He outsourced his presidency to Burks, Pence and Fauci. And here we are. Uh, we got mail in ballot harvesting, st- election stealing. OK, I mean, that's why that that's why that's why we're here. So. This morning, when I wake up. And see the news that Elon Musk. Has offered. Sorry, I'm trying not to sneeze. Uh, has offered. All right, I think I got it. Offered $42 billion to buy Twitter, which as Aaron, you pointed out, is substantially more than what the company is worth. First thing I said to myself, and I wish I, I, wish I could say this more often first thing in the morning. Glad I called that one wrong. Unfortunately, I don't get to say that a lot. But this time, um, I don't have to do hand-to-hand political combat. I just come off the top rope. I'm the richest man in the world. I don't, you know. So what did what Bruce Wayne uh, say to yeah. Flash when Flash said, yeah, what's, "What's your, your superpower?" I'm rich. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> yes. And this is a this is such a brilliant move. Yeah, you know, we've had a, a lot of discussions within alternative media over the last five or six years about 4D chess. And every one of those discussions were fake. They were all just covers for um, inexplicable meandering, inconsistencies of behavior and rhetoric and messaging and strategy. And, you know, it's like what the Joker says in The Dark Knight. People will tolerate all forms of of scary stuff if they think it's part of the plan if it's part of the plan but if we get outside the plan or if there's if it looks like there's not a plan that's when people freak out all it could be all the same all the same stuff but if it looks like it's within a plan people accept it it gets outside of a plan that's when people freak out okay and and that's so, why you'll wear a mask and take 10 jabs by the way what you're describing yeah, yes and and so a lot of things that just seemingly didn't make sense and the reason they didn't make sense why do you think they didn't make sense because they, they didn't make any sense they, they were completely counterproductive to any strategy any form of success whatsoever led to nothing and and led to nowhere okay uh we just didn't i think and i think we we mainly did it because we thought if we told you the truth you guys wouldn't pedal our buy our wares we were peddling and wouldn't buy our stuff and give us the click so we spun it as 4d chess and that's never what it was and i think we made a pronouncement on the show like 3 years ago there is no such thing as 4d chess mm-hmm. right there is a such thing as 4d chess all right we're going to do our corrections on the show, not in the small type, you know, the bottom of the page on the last page of the paper. We will make our corrections at the very beginning in front of the program. There is a such thing as 4D chess. You have watched a real alpha male billionaire just pull one off. 
And he has, without any histrionics, it wasn't like, let me let me go out and throw a tantrum on Twitter and then not follow through. And so I've I've totally I've totally mobilized my opposition against me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I've, I've I've fed their fury. I've fired up their base against me. I've totally mobilized to get have I've, I've I've I'm coming. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm going nuts. I'm going crazy. And then I don't do it, which then depresses my base while I have fired up their base. Can you think of anybody that maybe has done this a, a time or twelve the last few years? Okay, in this case. What we have is a guy. Are you talking about the guy being exposed right now because he's trying to do the same thing in the same technical sphere as Elon Musk is and now is not Well, that's a rumor. Is this what you're talking about? He doesn't post on his site, so I'm not sure that that's all true. I I, I I thought I was far down the list at like 800,000 something. Jordan Schachtel, our friend, told us to, told me today, he's like one millionth and something on the list to get on. But yet, okay? I am there. You are there. For some reason. Yes. Being censored already, though. You're there, but you're already being censored. Good God. (laughs) Okay. So he says, I'm not going to join your board. And and that leaves a lot of speculation, you know? And then just first thing this morning, mine's bigger than yours. I like them apples. You liked it, didn't you? You really liked it. But 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 some some shareholder from Saudi Arabia said he rejects the offer who doesn't even sit on the board. Yes. So here's the position that he has put them in. They are in a no-win position, Twitter is as a company. And again, this is why it's important because I know a bunch of you are gonna email me, I don't have a Twitter account. It doesn't matter. Because everybody whose opinions that you want to either defeat or get access to, this is where these things get hashed out. The, the reason why Trump correctly weaponized his Twitter account is because he realized this was the the meeting place, the marketplace of ideas in America, where where those of us who professionally work in the sphere of information gathering and content distribution, this is where we all hang out. It's our break room, basically. It's our idea room. It, it's where we, you know, try narratives and hash them out and go back and forth to each other. And 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 Trump correctly realized he could come off the top rope of mainstream media narratives by just using his Twitter account to communicate his thoughts directly. And at times that, you know, was like shooting the boot, but there were also plenty of times it did work to his favor. The guy did win the presidency after all, right? So what's happened here is um, Musk has, has now cornered Twitter. And this is the, this has now become the most important free speech battle of modern times in America. This is the choice that lies be, lies before Twitter's mucky mucks and its investors. How committed are you really to your agenda? One of the key phrases in his written offer is it's a cash offer. This is all liquid right now. I've I've already moved material around. It's not coming in real estate or in a down payment or financing. I've got $43 billion out of my own pocket right now. I will buy you outright cash for way more than your company's worth. Guys, the founder of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, tried to tried to sell, what was it, the autographed NFT from his first tweet? Yep. And what was it valued at being worth a few years ago? $280 million or something? And uh, two point or one point nine million. He tried to auction it off again for two hundred eighty million million, and it sold for less than three hundred dollars. Less than three hundred dollars <laughs> is what he got. Yeah. This is like the conversation we were having with CNN Plus yesterday. When you get out into a free market, it's just we have so very few free markets. 
So much of this is controlled by government, which gets in the whole Disney boycott conversations and everything. These these corporate entities have bought off so many politicians for so long in both parties. They they have made they literally have Pfizer level immunity from the public. That's why we have to go after the politicians. Well, here's a true free market move. I will offer you substantially more than your company is worth. And I'm going to put in writing why I'm doing it. Because I think this has tremendous potential to be the leading free speech platform for democracies all over the world. And that should be and must be protected. And if you don't take me up on my offer, I'm cratering the value of your company by dumping all my stock as the majority shareholder of your company. You choose. Oh, and let me throw this in for good measure. That whole $43 billion liquid that I've got right now, first of all, that's going to get a lot more liquid after I sell the, the stock of, in your company that I just made. I'm going to make all kinds of money off of that. While those of you that are still holding your stock, it will crater in value in response. And I've got all kinds of now liquidity to go out and start a real, true, professional alternative to you. Not something where I'm hiring a guy from Congress who clearly doesn't know what the hell he's doing. And I've got hundreds of thousands, if not over a million people waiting to even log into the platform. No, we're talking serious resources here now. Um, we're going to play this game out for real. And oh, if you vote against this, are you going to be liable to fiduciary irresponsibility to your own shareholders? You how, many, how many of your own shareholders are truly in on this agenda? Outside of your bubble there in Silicon Valley and your circle jerk, how many of your shareholders across the globe truly are in on this agenda so they don't want to see a massive return on their stock investment from me? How many are? So now I've pitted you against some of your own shareholders. They may come after you for fiduciary irresponsibility. And let me throw this in for good measure. The Congress is going to change over here in about six months. And now you've just told the party whose who's base members, you're out there censoring with impunity. You've just told them that you won't respond to any free market's forces. You don't care what the free market has to say. You're doing this under the cover of government protections, Section 230 and other liability protections. You're doing this for you're using government in order to advance your agenda. And electioneering, like we can't see the Hunter Biden laptop before the last election. Do you think that those people that might get elected this fall might have an incentive to say, you know, I don't think it's a good idea to have a publicly traded company given so much monopolistic protections from the government only to then weaponize against me and my own voters. You're effed. Just choose the orifice. That's what he's done to them. Their Twitter is getting violated here. They can, and, and the, the fact that it's coming from one of their, from the, 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 the most successful salesman of their beloved electric cars. This is just couldn't be more providential, frankly. They're cornered. There is no way out. There is no way out. 
They will they will they will take the offer from what they're what they what they're calling behind closed doors a Nazi sympathizer and all walk away mind-numbingly rich or they won't. And then be head of a company that's worth a hell of a lot less 24 hours from now. And oh, by the way, he's now he's now rearranged his own portfolio to go out there and start your competitor. And he's going to do so with the knowledge that he's exposed to the government that when the Republicans take over, they actually need to go after my competitor Twitter for unfair for unfair business practices. This poops next level, guys. So no, what we what we were spinning for clicks and calling 4D chess never was. That's why Dementia Joe's in the White House right now. It was never 4D chess. This, ladies and gentlemen, you have now finally witnessed 4D chess. And it's check and mate. The only way out is hashtag Elon Musk didn't kill himself. That is the only way out. Gentlemen, your thoughts. I'd just like to add that this this is the equivalent of what we talked about in the last two weeks of the power of using... This is the okay groomer of hostile takeovers, okay? And what you need to (laughs) understand... Great line. What you need to understand is that don't just think it's a mere coincidence, okay? Here's what Republicans need to understand. And when Steve says there's no way out, the only thing that came into my hand is head is like just like with uh, Obamacare. Is this something that even Republicans could screw up? I pray not. But opportunities like this, here's the dirty little secret. Opportunities like this are here all the time for people who know how crappy this world is turning, if only they will step up and do the right thing. This is not unique. We could be doing this with our politics and our civic discourse every day. The question we need to ask ourselves now is why not? So, you know, one of the things and one of the the large things I believe that separates a man from just a guy or a boy who can shave But one of the things that separates a a man from just a guy is follow through. This is an example of follow through. Great point. I was hopeful. I was hopeful and legitimately hopeful that Elon Musk would do this because he the okay he's the richest guy in the world. He's the richest man. I'm sorry, richest man in the world. Uh, He could do this. This is really a small portion of his net worth that he's spending on Twitter. He could do this. That's that's why I was uh, I was hopeful. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, saber rattling by, uh, you know, a large share here. Get some headlines. There was some talk about that. This is all just kind of publicity for Tesla, blah, 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 blah. Nope. Nope. He followed through. Here's here's how that applies. Let's find out when that happens. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Here's how that applies. Instead of getting on Twitter and complaining about a school board, you go to the meeting and you confront them head on. And if that doesn't work, then you run. Or you support those who run. If you see something at church, don't just talk about it with your family or with your wife. If you see something happening that is not biblical, you go and you take action. You follow through. You see something in your own family that is a miss. 
Don't just think about it. Don't just talk about it. You see anything that is amiss, follow through. Go take care of it. Maybe this will end up failing. Maybe, maybe they just are that hardened of leftist. But you know what? We're going to find out. We're going to find out. You're going to get clarity. This, 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 from a public service perspective, this, this is, whether you have a Twitter account or not, you're about to find out if the main place that claims to be the marketplace for ideas and has become that organically in America is truly believes in a free exchange of ideas. We, we know the answer to this. We know. Right? Like, like you knew, you knew after what's gone, what you've learned the last few months, we knew that the feds had informants and people riling up that crowd on January the 6th, right? That, that's pretty obvious, but we couldn't confirm it. We couldn't prove it. Well, now you can. And you're going to confirm and prove right now, right now, that this is just all about an agenda. And then what that allows us to do to go back to Republicans and say, why they have proven it to us. Why are we protecting them? And to pressure them now to do their jobs. We can't lose in this scenario from this point forward. Liberty's going to win here one way or the other. It's just going to be how it looks and what the magnitude of the win is. And that's what happens when you have a real alpha male who is actually and really playing 4D chess. Well, the timing of this conversation is pretty serendipitous, given what we were discussing at the top with Elon Musk showing us that 4D chess actually does exist and what it looks like when it is played. And he has absolutely played Twitter and cornered them uh, and beaten them at their own game. And it's just a matter of which L do they choose to take from this time forward because we had scheduled already this conversation before the news came down of Elon Musk uh, going Jimmy Superfly Snuka uh, off the top rope here on uh, Silicon Valley this morning because we continue to see more and more censorship efforts from big tech and I'm beginning to think I, I'm not doing this right okay I'm, I, I just you know I mean I'm not doing this effectively I shouldn't I get be getting censored well, then again, I look at what happens to our Facebook page, our YouTube account, and we are. We get crushed there constantly and all of the time, all right? Our guest here today decided to venture into that world when he just because the craziness of there's no such thing as gender and men can have periods and uh, she has a penis was just someone's got to say something and speak up. So he tried to put out a, a video. We all watched the video, by the way. It's very, very well done. Which meant that it had to be what? Censored. Censored. Because when you can't beat him, you ban him. Uh, and we want to welcome him to the program now. Um, first of all, the first name, Elon, is the easy part. And as someone with a <laughs> difficult last name to pronounce, I am sensitive to difficult last names. So I want to make sure, I'm going to give this a shot. You tell me if I got it, okay? Sarulovich. Ciro- yes, sir. Did you I nail it? it? We stuck the landing on the first attempt? Uh-huh. <laughs> all right, then I'm pulling a George Costanza. I'm not going to try it again because I got it right the first time. All right. How are you, Elon? It's good to have you on the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm doing well. So you're a CEO 
uh, and of a company. Tell us about your watches and what you guys do. So I started a watch brand uh, roughly 10 years ago. It was a way for me to pay tribute to my father. My father helped me through some rough periods in my life. And I had a design background. I have a big acting background. I've actually been in uh, a bunch of TV shows and stuff like that. So I had some connections and I was able to design a watch and prototype it in the studio I was working at. And I gave it to him as a gift and it was uh, for his 65th birthday. And since then, the company's kind of been around this idea of tribute, of being able to hand something on or down to people you love. So like upward to a father, downward to a son. Hmm. And so that's kind of the idea behind the brand. So you're you're one of the few actual Americans remaining is what you're telling us. <laughs> yeah, well, I believe there's a lot of Americans that feel the same way as we do about issues. They just self-censor. So you chose not to do that. You chose not to self-censor. Why? Uh, well, I think there's like a history of me kind of uh, feeling the need to speak up on certain issues. It dates back to the Gillette ad. I did a response to them called What is a Man through my brand. And uh, then I did one called Speak Truth, which was in support of uh, police during the height of the defund police movement. And so this is kind of uh, a culmination of all that. I feel like we have an ideological war taking place in society. I feel like companies are not necessarily hoping they win us over. They're hoping to win kids over, much younger people. And they're trying to create a whole new future that I think sets new normals along the way. Like we have a Supreme Court justice now who can't define the word woman. If I would have told you that would be the case 10 years ago, you'd say that's absurd. Today, we're kind of all just accepting it. We're accepting the fact that there's biological males going into female prisons. Males who have a history of sexually assaulting women and continue to do it in prison. So there's just a lot of things being accepted today that worry me because if we're already doing this today, where are we going to be in 10 years if brands, that's why I do it through my company. It's important for brands and, and companies to speak up so that they can have a cultural impact to counter what's happening today. So that's the entire purpose behind everything. So you put out a, a video um, with a hat tip title to uh, Matt Walsh, uh, who has who coined the question, what is a woman to devastating uh, effect on the spirit of the age? And you took you took that theme uh, and put together a fantastic video. Tell us about it. The video is basically trying to essentially bring light to what I would call common sense. We're trying to just essentially highlight the the beautiful aspects of womanhood and to honor it and then to say, look at what might be affected by the ideologies that we're accepting so easily today. Things like the sports, like there's women who fought for decades to have representation in sports and now they're just going to lose all of that because they're going to have to compete against biological males and we're seeing that happen we're seeing it like i said with the the prison system we're seeing it with even medicine all types of stuff so it's just uh seems like it's it's just a cry for people to come back a little bit start talking to each other again i say this a lot i think we used to be a culture and a society that believed in virtues that are absolutely necessary for any culture and society to succeed, which are things like courage, fortitude, standing up in the face of adversity, being able to take offense and have conversations. These are real virtues that are necessary. And instead, we've completely gone the opposite direction. We've flipped them on their heads and we're saying we're going to take safety and place that as the highest virtue. We really saw that during COVID where you were a superhero if you were the safest and you forced everyone else to be just as safe as you are and you could go preach about it. And now with agreeableness, I better not offend you. So I'm going to accept your internal world, which for all of history, we've accepted reality as the playground where we're going to communicate. That's where we meet and we can measure things and we say this is what we know is real. And so we can interact with each other with a common ground. 
Now we're throwing all that away because of agreeableness, and we're saying we're essentially just going to interact with each other based on our internal worlds, and everyone has to accept what I am. I have to accept what they are, and we live in this subjective reality that has no way to measure anything. And there's real long-term consequences to that, even beyond what we're seeing now. If this continues, I feel like it'll be much worse. That's extremely well said. And I think it's why we've also seen in the last couple of years uh, really an, an odd coalition emerge that I wouldn't even call it a political coalition because these are, and I would count myself among them, but these are people within this coalition who have some wide variants of political differences but are concerned about the loss of reality or what, you know, a, a, a fancy stained glass window word here would be epistemology, that the, the loss of the value and study of true facts, true knowledge, what is actually objectively true. You know, I, I count myself as a Christian that puts the fun in fundamentalism. Ayn Rand thought I was a complete and total moron, but she is still came to the conclusion as an atheist who thought Christianity was for dopes. She at least came to the conclusion there must be some things objectively true in the universe and created her own philosophy of objectivism to that end. What, what we're seeing now is we don't have to have any objective truth. If corporations want to put out products that people don't like. They just buy off politicians, become too big to fail, and they can't be competed against. They can't be sued. Everybody is, it's safety everywhere. Everything's, everything's like youth soccer. We keep no score. Um, we, we don't want to have any winners or losers. Uh, we just want to have uh, you know a, a consistent level of existence as opposed to a meritocracy, that's why we have to put masculinity down because that tends mm-hmm. to promote meritocracy uh, and bottom line results. And I think that there is a, a, a wide, diverse coalition of people with different beliefs on a lot of topics that are concerned about this. And it's why I'm sitting here playing, you know, Bill Maher clips and uh, and uh, you know and Russell Brand clips on my show. And I would have never thought I was ever going to do that, at least not favorably, even as soon, you know recently as four or five years ago. I will say this, like the, the, what you were talking about with absolute truths, I think it's important for any society to accept that there are certain absolute truths. When you go into this extreme kind of moral relativism, I don't know if it's in, by an incidental uh, cause or it's, it's intentional and it's insidious, but you end up where we are today. You end up, you look at a society that's inherently nihilistic, you're talking about religion, if you get rid of that completely, get rid of this idea that there's any type of universal truth, everything is morally relative, then you end up with a nihilistic society. We Mm -hmm. see the results of that all the time. So I think you're absolutely right. I think it's not a matter of uh, people necessarily's political alignment as much as seeing even people, I have friends reached out to me when I put out this video who are left leaning and they're like, thank you so much. I haven't been able to talk on this subject. It's something I'm always thinking about. The big problem here is that so many people are self-censoring. So many people now are, are living in a state where they want to say something and they're not. And until they do, until there's a, a massive response, because you look at anything on, on their end of the ideology, they function as a unit. They come forward and they, they put it all together. And it's really, really hard to counter that when you're an individual, when you have all of media, when you have all of Hollywood, when you have all of big tech, and when you have all these uh, corporations coming at you with one message, how do you counter it? And you really need an entire population to start speaking up, to start seeing a difference. So that coalition you're talking about, it's fantastic that it's happening. And again, I, I hope it's not something that people feel resistant to just because of their political affiliation. If someone's on the left and they're seeing something or more liberal or however they identify Democrat and they see something that is making them unhappy, if they can speak up on these specific issues, it's extremely powerful and it needs to Mm -hmm. start happening. 
final thing I want to ask you about, because I think you might uniquely have a, the ability to comment on it because you have come from a certain cultural enclave uh, as, as, a, as a professional actor, and now you're an entrepreneur, and that has a, kind of a different you know, ethos to it culturally, uh, traditionally. We have gone from a culture that had competing interests over excellence and winning to a culture of competing interests over consensus and compliance. What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts on that, again, are I often sit and wonder if that is incidental or it is by design. And if it's by design, I'm very worried about it. If it's incidental, I'm very worried about it. I think that no society can function. Again, these are virtues that are necessary. Competition is absolutely necessary to bring out the best in people. And this started years ago. I remember even when I was a kid growing up, these this rhetoric started talking about of like everyone should be great. No, we exist differently. And so I think, again, the long-term impact of these messages are so detrimental to society. Um, I hope competition comes back. It's shocking. I remember when trophy awards started coming out for everyone. It's like a participation trophy. Mm -hmm. So you participated, therefore you're good. You're great. You did it. Everyone's the same. Um, I mean, it's kind of like a Marxist 101 ideology being Mm -hmm. pushed onto the population. It's Mm -hmm. just unfortunately what it is. It's especially sad in art where now art, entertainment, this was my dream my whole life was acting. I love it more than anything. And now I've very much, I know that this sacrifices my career, but there is no art if everything is the same. There is no art if there's no competition. There is no art if we can't express ourselves. So I'm really fighting for what I believe is art. Um, on that end of things. Well, Elon, I mean, this was, I mean, extremely eloquent. Uh, appreciate the time. Tell our audience where they can watch the video and give your company and your watch company, give it a plug, man. I mean, we appreciate you stepping out there. Thank you. Yeah, the video is actually on our website. It's Eggard, E-G-A-R-D, watches.com. And we actually have a page with all our past videos. We've done some really cool videos. I'll make sure that that's on the homepage. I'll get one of my guys on it. But uh, yeah, Eggard, E-G-A-R-D, watches.com. Appreciate your willingness to take a stand and come forward. And we're always trying to get our people to support businesses that share their values and the times in which we live. So God bless you, man. Appreciate the time. Thank you. You bet. so much. This portion of the show brought to you by friends over at Keeps. If you are concerned about hair loss, uh, receding hairlines, and uh, you're also concerned about privacy, we've got good news for you. Our friends over at Keeps have got you covered on all three fronts because everything they do is online. So it's just not convenient, which it is, but it's also discreet. You go online, uh, talk to a licensed physician. They review the pictures you send them. They come up with the the proper FDA-recommended hair loss treatment for you. Then you save a bunch of money with the generic versions of those treatments, so it's not as expensive. And then they give you even more savings to get you started with half off your first order. Half off your first order when you go to keeps.com slash grow, K-E-E-P-S, whether you want to prevent hair loss, stimulate hair growth, or just take better care of your hair, they can do all those things for you at keeps.com slash grow. One of the things we talked about on the show last week before we took off for vacation is we need to learn the distinction between pagan and demonic. Because I've used the term pagan a lot on, on this show over the years because the moral values we're talking about, redefining sexuality, this stuff's all pagan. 
This is pre-Judeo-Christian understanding of the world, pre-Western civilization understandings. This is the morality that when, whether it's St. Patrick in Ireland or uh, the when the saints and evangelists of old visited these pagan, at the time, pagan, druidic, Norse, European countries, this was the moralities that they had to confront and correct. And we're kind of going back to that uh, to, to the to that old ways, the dark ages, and we're calling it progressive, but it's regressive, actually. It's just a return to a pre-Judeo-Christian understanding of the world, right? We've talked about yeah. that on this show many, many times. But what we are increasingly seeing now is not pagan, because even in pagan cultures, when the great saints and an evangelist of old encountered those pagan cultures, they encountered things that were highly immoral, right? They did. Yeah. But you know what they also encountered? Cultures that were built and had a high value on honor. Cultures that were built and had a high value on excellence and winning. That's why they were at war all the time. I'm in charge of the tribe. No, I'm the chief conqueror here, right? Mm -hmm. People wanted to, there was meritocracy. They didn't have to teach, they didn't have to motivate the people to achieve. Paganism doesn't do that. Paganism is an alternative moral view of the world. But it doesn't create sameness. That's why the world, the pagan world, outside of God's providential history, the world has essentially just been a series of empires and invaders taking one another's place. It's a demonic philosophy that says not only are we going to promote the immorality, but we're not going to promote anything. Nothing. And and Elon used the term nihilism. So Todd, you like to quote all the time what's true, what's true, good, and beautiful, mm-hmm. right? Nihilism wants an absence of all three of those things. Uniformity, consensus, sameness. The most modern manifestation of that demonic nihilism is Marxism. Marxism is not a pagan philosophy. It is demonic. It seeks to actually disincentivize human achievement, human advancement. It incentivizes corruption, complacency, sloth, control, coercion. Why? Because the people that are um, slothly, that are complacent, that are lackadaisical, that are deprogrammed, they're much easier to control That's what's going on here. This isn't this isn't paganism. If you want to know what a great example is, look at China. In China, they won't let you parade around in your rainbow flag or your Bible. Now, here in the West, these two pillars are at war with one another because they recognize that the two moralities they represent cannot coexist, right? Mm -hmm. But they're at war with one another over individual autonomy and expression. Which path is the best path forward for an individual? In China, there can be no individual dignity whatsoever. So both the rainbow flag and the Bible both have to go. That's demonic. That's Marxism. Back with Hour 2, and we're live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He's Aaron McIntyre. 
He is Todd Erzin. You are you. Let us know who you are and what you think about what we think by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor and Gab. Follow me at Steve Day Show on Twitter and Getter. If he ends up buying it outright, man, does Musk change Twitter's logo where he puts his T for Tesla as the new T in front of the <laughs> Twitter logo? What do you think? You like that? Oh, I, I, I wish I could, I wish you could say it's move. my idea. I've seen it floating around Twitter numerous times this morning. I kind of thought it looked pretty cool. That'd be We've got a Tesla plant just down the street here from us now. Yeah. Well, whatever. I don't know what it, it opened is. Just, it opened just a month or so ago, right? Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's if it's a service, a service center yeah. or a dealer. I mean, I see several Teslas parked outside. Hmm. But Oh, I forgot to tell you guys, I rode in one. In oh, Vegas. no kidding. One of the Ubers hmm. we took around the we took around Vegas uh, was a Tesla. And it was quite a ride, man. Oh, there's no yeah, doubt they about were, that. I yeah. mean, it was it was I I ain't got ain't got probably cuz I talk like that. I do not have <laughs> 60 grand to put down on a Tesla. All right, but it was uh it was quite a ride. Did man. the driver ever gun it? Uh no, but you could feel the horsepower okay. for sure. And uh, true story, we didn't wear any masks anywhere in Vegas, even though Uber still claims that there's a mask mandate in all their vehicles. Amy and I just didn't even bother bringing masks with us. We were like, we're not wearing these things anymore. Every driver that picked us up, but one was wearing a mask. Okay, now no one said anything to us the entire time. But every driver that picked us up, and we used probably one to three Ubers a day going to all the things and shopping and attractions and everything we went through all over Vegas. Everyone that picked us up but one was wearing a mask. The one guy that was not, when he dropped us off, I told him, I'm giving you the biggest tip I've ever given an Uber Uber driver. It was more than the cost of the ride. Nice. And I told him, I'm doing that. Because you didn't pick me up in one of those dumbass face diapers that don't work. And he started laughing. He goes, yeah, I hate those bleeping things. I prefer to breathe, so I don't yeah. wear them. Okay. So that kind of goes to the conversation we were just having. I have no idea what this guy's politics are. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he thinks. I don't know what Elon Musk thinks about abortion. Mm-hmm. I, have, I don't have a clue. But there is a rising tide of people that are tired of BS. And I think that coalition is very manifest and has much potential but it's probably going to have to be accessed outside of the traditional political paradigm that doesn't mean that that there's no hope of ever creating a political alignment with that coalition but i think it's similar to the mistake that was made with kanye west that as soon as he got off the democrat plantation here's a red you know maga hat let it breathe. Let it you know. Let it breathe. Don't serve any wine before it's time. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Not to mention, I mean, who's really all that eager to go out there and mobilize for Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Who's really Who's really fired up? Hey, I live in Maryland, and my Republican governor's Larry Hogan. And if you won't vote for Larry Hogan, you're just a communist who hates America. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Is that? Is, I mean. I think the biblical, uh, since we're heading to Theology Thursday, the biblical description of what I'm talking about is casting pearls unto swine, meaning that the the juice ain't worth the squeeze here. The, the offense you create by going there with truth ain't worth the investment that you would get back because the cause we're talking about here is largely a worthless one with very limited exception. 
And I think that's why you see people like Rogan and others and even Marr are so complimentary of Ron DeSantis because politically he has kind of transcended that. And, and so today, like when he signs the toughest abortion law in the state's history today, in any other era, guys like Marr and Rogan probably would be completely turned off or would be talking about that today. It'll never come up. Why? Because he has shown himself to be a member of their common sense coalition. And there's no point frying Ron DeSantis when he's been the control group to prove a lot of your other points that you Mm -hmm. also care about to be true. So I think there is an opportunity to create a truth-based coalition that transcends the political paradigm. And that's that's where I see the growth of shows like uh, Tim Pool that we were just talking about during the break or a Rogan. Or, you know, I think that's where you see a market and you see a huge market of people that if you reach them first outside of become a Republican, just like me. No, let's start on what we agree on. Let's start with that. What do we agree on? And then if it's nothing, well, then there's no, the conversation doesn't continue. But if it's something, then it can continue on. And then it can keep continuing until we get to some of those other things, right? Mm-hmm. Don't forget, if you like the podcast version, you can leave us a five-star review. We would appreciate those. Thanks to all of you that have left us one of them. Uh, you can also uh, hit subscribe or follow on whichever podcast platform that you prefer. Theology Thursday is brought to you by... Uh, Bullion Max, as inflation surpasses highs not seen in 40 years. We mentioned earlier on the show, in case you missed it, when Donald Trump left office, inflation in America was 1.6%. 14 months later, it's 8.5. That's an 800% increase. All right, so make sure your dollar, your investment power, make sure that you are maximizing it with our friends at Bullion Max. They are a direct-to-consumer precious metals retailer. They can help you diversify into gold and silver as a hedge against inflation. It's also security for your family in times of crisis. And here's why you're going to love Bullion Max. They're owned by veterans in the precious metal space. They offer some of the lowest prices on the internet. Got an email this morning from one of our viewers slash listeners who just decided to do business with Bullion Max and really appreciated that experience and wanted to pass it on. So if you want to get started with them today, they are offering their silver starter kit at employee pricing. So you can't get any cheaper than this. Just go to bullionmax.com, bullionmax.com slash steve. That's bullionmax.com slash Steve. The kit includes five of the most desirable silver products to invest in, including the Silver American Eagle and more when you go to bullionmax.com slash Steve. But the offer is limited to just one per household. So get yours now at bullionmax.com slash Steve. Let's get to Theology Thursday, shall we? And this year we have endeavored to study the spirit of the age, the enemy, the true enemy, in its natural habitat to figure out how it is performing and behaving and deploying in our culture so that we have a better idea of how to confront it. We're doing it with a a three-part triune series of books that we're going to look at. And the very first one, Scott Atlas's A Plague Upon Our House, My Fight at the Trump White House to Stop COVID from Destroying America. The chapter we are on this week... 
One of the most ridiculous figures of, of the entire COVID era is our topic this week. Robert Redfield, who was the head of CDC in the Trump presidency, uh, the chapter is titled The Talented Dr. Redfield, the man who once said that the cloth Chinese face diaper would protect him from COVID even more than the vaccine would. We laughed at it at the time because it was dumb. Unfortunately, it turned out to be prophetic looking at the data, just not in the way that Robert Redfield claimed, because neither one of them protects you from getting COVID. But it is quite possible that getting jabbed causes you to get COVID when you look at the data. So we would turn out to be right, guys. Do we owe do we owe uh, Robbie an apology? He was right. Just not in the way that he thought Mm -hmm. the mask indeed all right, did does offer you more protection against a COVID infection than the jab. So he was correct, just not as he intended. All right. So where do you guys want to take the conversation here this week? Oh, there were so many fascinating things about this. Aaron, did you have somebody right off the top of your head? Yeah, you? Okay, go. I, I have a little bit of a contrarian take, actually. When you take into consideration what Redfield has said. Uh, after he's kind of left the the task force, you know, he was one of the first ones uh, in the mainstream, I believe, to um, to to open up the mainstream, to open up the possibility of a lab leak. Uh, I believe, I believe it was was it Vanity Fair? Yeah, Vanity Fair. Just a couple of weeks ago, did you read that uh, piece? Steve, uh, another bombshell expose about some of the uh, origins of the oh, virus. Yes. And, yeah. and Redfield, I believe, if I'm remembering this co- correctly, way back when. He was one of the first to say from a lab. Yes. Pressured Fauci to investigate both the lab leak and the natural o- origin, and uh, Fauci rebuffed him. All this is to say, this chapter notwithstanding uh, uh, as well, of the three, Burks, Fauci, Redfield... If you put a gun to my head, if you put a gun to my head and said, you can only choose from these three people to lead your coronavirus task force, which one am I going to choose? It's going to be the guy who held up the face mask and said, this works better than a vaccine, because that actually ended up being true. In other words, do you want to get really gross here? I'm going to use a really gross analogy. Okay. Uh, in other words, I, I, this is like a cho- choice between poop, poop with corns in it, and diarrhea. I'm taking poop every day of the week instead of the other two options. And that's what he comes off as. So we got that going for us. Oh, I would take him as well. He actually, he first of all, he came out last summer and admitted he's, he's Larry Hogan's uh, COVID guy in Maryland now. And he was the one that admitted uh, last summer that about 40% of their uh, COVID uh, deaths had been of the among the jabbed, and that this has been true for several weeks. Remember, we had that mm-hmm. clip at the time uh, when I wrote the questions for Ted Cruz in his office to submit to CDC last or summer of 2020 uh, to try to get answers on the questions we were raising at the time. Uh, it was Redfield who responded, and he actually did at times give us some good answers. I don't think he's irredeemable. I just don't think he's very good. And when I when I mean he, I don't think he's very good. I think it's actually because the dude might be a real doctor somewhere. And then then got then got a hold of CDC and thought, oh man, I'm gonna get crystal knocked here if I'm not a political whore to some extent. So I gotta play the game. You know what I'm saying? And I think this is 
And this goes to a point that I've made before about Republicans. The whole evil party versus the stupid party. That Republicans are just this consistently dumb. No, they're not. And I used to use this analogy. I'll bring it back out of the bullpen. I haven't used it in a while. I know enough about Islam. Have read the Quran. I've read, uh, well, one of the Hadiths. There's actually several. Um, Studied it. I know enough that I could go door to door and give like an elevator pitch level of evangelism for Islam. But if you were able to push back beyond that elevator pitch and start asking critical questions, because I'm not a sociopath, at least not that I'm aware of anyway, and now I've got to defend this not out of rote memorization or presentation or performance, but now out of conviction. You're asking critical questions. You're cross-examining me. My testimony would fall apart at that point. And I would look really dumb. Because it's not that I'm stupid. It's that I'm defending a belief system I don't really believe in. That's why. I'm lying. It's not the, not the evil party versus the stupid party. It's the evil party versus the dishonest party. We ask these Republicans to often defend values they don't share. That's why they give us slogans, surface level slogans. And then when there's some pushback from the other side or, or we start asking them critical questions to defend their lack of record in this arena, the whole thing just falls apart. There's no conviction there, right? It's the parable of the seed that Jesus tells. It lasts for a little while and then the waves come and they crash against the shoreline and the rocks and the seed is swept away. It's taken no root. And I've, and I've often suspected with Redfield that in another time and another place, maybe he would have actually been a capable, decent CDC director. And that the reason he was such a clown... I think we've called Fauci a lot of names on this show over the last two and a half years. Have we ever called him a clown? No, I don't believe nah, so. No, dude is, dude is a smooth operator, man. He's a shot A song, okay? I mean, there's some, he's got some real demonic chops to him. He's not a clown. Redfield has come across as a clown on multiple occasions. And you know why I think that is? Because I think the guy might actually just be a real doctor. But realized that, oh, that's not what, I'm, I'm head of a government leviathan bureaucracy. They don't want real medicine. I've got to, you know, be a political whore. And he's just not very good at it because that's really, truly not where his convictions lie, which is why every once in a while he would actually tell the unvarnished truth and then like seemingly regret it. And that applies theologically to our own testimonies. We aren't going to be good living something and defending something we don't truly in our core believe. Todd, your thoughts? Well, start at the end. The everything you said about uh, Redfield, notwithstanding, at the it's towards the end of this chapter where uh, Scott talks about coming out of that press conference 
where the where President Trump is standing along his side. And right when they get out of there, Trump looks to uh, because uh, this is where Atlas flat out said what uh, Redfield said uh, uh, was misleading. Uh, and Trump says to him after that press conference, so is Redfield just stupid or political? And this is just another reminder again, like if you ask that question at any point of anybody who works for you, you fire them, mister, you're fired. Mm-hmm. You're the president of the United States. You don't need to be a biologist. Uh, if you're U.S. Grant, you don't, uh, uh, or excuse me, if you're Abraham Lincoln, you don't need to have served in the military or have been a general to know you're firing these generals who won't help you win this war. You go find U.S. Grant. This is what you do. You're president. Just another reminder again, if you say that question out loud or even in your head, you fire those people. You didn't. Good grief. And I, I went back in the way back machine because uh, Dr. Atlas here spends a lot of time talking about how the uh, Redfields, the sky is going to fall reporting uh, did not count into uh, take into effect how many people were actually infected and were never uh, discovered um, because this there's no reason to go in. They were really sick. And so all the doom and gloom was uh, not worth it. And so not only, uh, so he was t- teaching about T-cells and things like that. And this is one time, way back in the beginning, where I knew that this show was going to be on solid footing because before that Steve came out when his, and he said it many times about um, taking on the, um, the study out of England. What, uh, what's the Imperial college college. This, thank you. But that was about propaganda and politics. The, the science thing that I really remember early on, because again, we've had this conversation off air and I know I've alluded to it on air before, but because of my background, in this kind of thing with vaccine. I knew that potentially this could put my place on this show. If Steve and I are at loggerheads on this, I, with as much pressure as he was going to be under, I, I, I didn't know if it was going to be sustainable. And when he got into the science on T-cells that he learned about out east and the prevalence of coronavirus mm-hmm. and things like that, that's when I knew, even if there were di- some disagreements, that we were going to get to the core of the science on this that was a life draft to sanity and that was such an important point because then steve kept nailing it over and over and over again on masks on everything which goes then takes me to my third point about all this and this is our first every time steve has had dr atlas on and he said thank you you're a hero in this it's all true absolutely but here is this first chapter this is where dr atlas we, we disagree on him on something. He talks about the efficacy of vaccines in this chapter. Now, some of it has to do with the, the political misdirection, um, and that we would agree with him on, about um, Trump and the, whether it was true or not, the timetable about the vaccines coming on before we knew mRNA technology or how good they would be. That's we agree about the manipulation of that whole narrative, but he actually, he doesn't go in at length about it, but he talks about it. And I think it's something about like the undeniable efficacy of them. I mean, we just disagree with that. That doesn't discount ever the importance of this book, but we absolutely have a fundamental agreement. And I make that point because we all have feet of clay. None of this from the beginning 
should been anointed as the gold standard of anything. Everybody should have gotten a second opinion on everything. Instead, the magical power of vaccines took over. And we can't ever let that happen again. Everything must be questioned at the outset, especially when it comes into a pandemic setting, when we've shown our propensity to become sheep. To defend Scott, this book was released, what was it, um, in January? December um, December or January, I believe? For, maybe, maybe, no, yeah. maybe December. Yeah. December. He would, and, and it's for mass distribution mm-hmm. hardcover. This means he would have had to have finished this manuscript probably mm-hmm. around April or May. Sure. All right. And if you go to April or May of 2021, which is last year, I was not even getting neck deep in the vaccine stuff yet. In fact, I was saying at the time, let's just wait and see what the data shows. Then there's no point in anybody that isn't in a risk group of getting mm-hmm. them at the moment anyway. So let's just wait and see what the data shows because mm-hmm. it will prove itself. We were still trying to end lockdowns and mask mandates at that time. So I don't know what his current view on the efficacy of sure. the of, of, of the uh, the COVID jabs happen to be, uh, particularly the repeated and ongoing, never-ending injection and re-injection of them. You know, but it certainly was a test of my own paradigm for sure. I mean, if you'd have gone back, you go back a year ago and you'd have told me that I was going to end the year saying the things about these jabs that I ended up saying, even right. even a year ago at this time, I I don't think I would have right. believed I would have got, gotten myself to that place. Okay. But that is, that's another question though of our, what are our convictions? And we all have biases. We're humans. Okay. We're, we're all going to have things that we are prone to give the benefit of the doubt to. Having biases is not evil, wicked, or sinful. An unwillingness to look beyond your biases when confronted with objective information to the contrary is. That is. But having them, that's called being human. It's when you're presented with objective information that challenges those biases. And you refuse to consider it on any level whatsoever... That's when we get into um, we get into an area that too many people are into right now in the culture. That truth is determined by is is the consequence of believing it and therefore accepting it acceptable to me? And if the answer is yes, that's a consequence I want, it will give me the result I want, then I'll believe it is true. If the answer is no, then I won't. As opposed to beginning from a premise of what is objectively true. If I had begun this conversation from, from I don't want to end up on this issue where Todd Erzin is. Because it'll make me sound like a flake. And make me do and make doing my job harder and make the censorship upon me more difficult to bear. If I would have started from there. I would not have ended up in the place that I did because I would not have examined the information objectively. So I had to set my own biases aside and just look at what is the objective information here. 
But that comes from a place of conviction as well. Mm-hmm. And that conviction is, I just need to know what is true. It's a compulsion. I have to know. I can't stand being lied to. So the problem we have in our culture is there's a lot of people right now that want to be lied to. That want to be. Because it makes them feel comfortable. Because it makes them feel comfortable. And this actually applies to the former president. Yep. He didn't want to fire Fauci and run the people we're talking about because accepting the consequence of those actions. This is from Mark Meadows to everybody in this. Don't rock the boat. Yep. We've got to just win the election. So truth began from a standpoint of what is convenient for me to believe at this time. It's funny. Alyssa Farah is making a bunch of news right now. So Alyssa Farah is Joseph Farah, the founder of World Net Daily. It's his daughter. Right. Um, I don't even, I don't know if Joe is still alive, if he's around. You don't hear much from him. He used to be a major, major name in the conservative movement when WND was one of the biggest websites in uh, the uh, the aughts of that era. And um, I met Alyssa Farah a few years ago. Uh, I was... Um, I was flown out to a posh resort in Maryland by the hair to, to, to do a strategy breakout session with several um, Capitol Hill uh, aides, and she was one of them for Heritage Foundation. And so I spent two full days with her. And you guys know what my message is. Let's kick the tires and light the fires. You know, highest body count wins, no wasted ammo. I mean, that's not a new message for me, right? I mean, it's kind of right. been the mess, my message pretty much to some varying degree, it, it adjusted for circumstances, but that's been the core of my message from the very beginning, right? So that's what I gave Alyssa Farah, who was kind of the leader of this group, and everybody else that was involved in this at that particular point in time. And they ate it up, man. They loved it, okay? Yesterday, Alyssa Farah, trying to become the new conservative woman on The View openly said, I, I, I can't come up with a reason why anyone should own an AR-15. I can come up with a couple because I bleep and want one. That's a good one. That's a good reason. That's a pretty good one. And I'm an American, damn it. Is that a good reason? Sure. And because the government who hates me owns tanks. So maybe I actually need rocket launchers, not just AR-15s. That's another good reason. You see what sure. I'm saying? Yeah. Those are a couple good reasons, Aaron? Yeah. They're the damn best ones I could come up, that anybody can come up with, as a matter of fact, okay? Because I want one, and I'm an American, and the number two, because my government hates me and has even bigger weapons than that. Those are the two reasons, okay? Uh, but she concedes on The View, well, there's really no reason anybody wants that. I don't believe Alyssa Farah believes that. Having spent two full days with her in deep, transparent strategy sessions of conservative activism, I don't believe she believes that. If you put the Wonder Woman lasso of truth around Alyssa Farah, I don't believe she believes there's no reason to own an AR-15. Would Alyssa Farah, though, that's not convenient for her to believe right now because she's trying to create her own career. She got linked up with Mike Pence, whose political clout is destroyed and has no future. And so she's trying to rebrand herself 
as a true conservative, but anti-Trump. And that will hopefully get her gigs within mainstream media and corporate media. And so she's now, we used to call these people prostitutes. She's now going to speak talking points for food. So she's crafted a new narrative in her mind. And so her conviction now is, I need a job. I need relevancy. And this is what needs to be said in order for me to obtain that goal. And that's why she does, she's not any good because these aren't her convictions. It's not what she really believes. And I guess what's so fascinating about politics, I've learned a lot of things that have frustrated me. Name ID matters more than anything else. Our people can be every bit as low information as the other side. But the one thing I've learned that has frustrated me more than anything else is that it's actually conviction that's the most attractive trait. It's the fact that you guys really thought Trump was going to make Mexico pay for a wall. That the other side thought that Obama was really going to make the oceans rise and heal the nation. You know what I'm saying? Conviction is really what we want to buy. And so if we could ever find people that would follow through on their convictions, they would politically profit from it the most. But finding people that are willing to do that is unfortunately scarce in these days. Three non-political questions is next. You know, you got about 360 uh, places in your body from the top of your neck down to your feet called joints, and they are key for flexibility, movement, activity. But as we get older, they can also be uh, little places where and hubs where inflammation likes to hang out in order to make flexibility, activity, uh, make it tougher. That's where that lingering chronic pain comes from. It often will manifest like, um, you know, lingering soreness, achiness in your knees, your back, your hips that just won't go away. Well, that's because you have been looking for this effective, all natural anti-inflammatory backed by three decades of clinical research and now going on a third year of me using it daily called Omega XL. And if you want to try it today, buy one bottle, get one for free. If you do, when you go to OmegaXL.com slash Steve. Yes, this stuff really works. Yes, I really use it. I take it with me everywhere I go. I just took it with me to Vegas last week, in fact. OmegaXL.com slash Steve if you want to try it too. You can also just give them a call at 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. It's time for three non-political questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? Question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on The Steve Day Show. Yeah, we need a little uh, break from the demise and fall of Western civilization. Three questions chock full of fun, frivolity, and just general good feelings. Question number one, would you kill another human being if they were attempting to kill your pet? Tim Poole ran this as a poll or a version of this question as a poll on Twitter the other day, and I wanted you guys' thoughts. Yes. You would? Yes. Okay. Uh, What? It's, it's 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 my property. If they come into my living room and start robbing me, yeah, you're dead. See, I 
I originally, when I saw the results to this, I was like, is a, is a, is a pet ever worth taking another human being's life? And on its own in a vacuum, no. The answer to that, I think you would even, it, it just in a vacuum, no. The moral but, worth of a human, philosophically correctly, speaking, correctly. is more than sure. a dog. Of but course. if you're on, but when is this, when, what situation would this ever be taking place on? You know, unless you're on their property, let's just pretend yeah. it's all on yeah. your property. They are, they have to be armed in order to kill yeah. a, a dog. They're on your property. You cannot disarm them otherwise without using lethal force. This is where I heard, I did not see, but I, I heard tangentially that there was a lot of soft-headed Christian thinking on this because it wasn't, it, it wasn't a theoretical. Even if it's not true, you can just pretty much guess that on virtually any question or issue yeah. that's yeah. brought up in America today, yeah. there will be a response of some soft-headed I mean, neo-Christian thinking. The yes. default seemed to be, of course you let your dog get killed. Like, this is what, if the, in this scenario, a hostile force is coming after your property. Do, have you thought for two seconds beyond your David but, Frenchism? But see, here, Todd, I think you need to uh, just to push back on that seriously just a little yeah. bit as well. There is a segment of the American population that needs to start having kids and really venerates their pets, especially their dogs, way more above. Oh, yeah. It's- and, and so that's that's my why my gut reaction wasn't necessarily the soft-headedness. It was, wow, people like their, like their pets way too much. But then thinking through it a little bit more, any scenario with this would happen uh it would be something that you would i think be justified yeah, yeah. what yourself. what is what is the scenario where this would happen and it doesn't symbolize a larger threat correct cuz it is your property it's also a living thing right so they're not just coming in and destroying um your house your your housewares your belongings mm-hmm. they 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 are taking it to another level by doing so with a living thing right yeah. like is it is it in 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 a in our judicial code, is it more of a penalty to destroy a pet or to destroy someone's um, uh, um, television set? The, the, the pet, because yeah. it's a living thing, yeah. right? So, in what scenario would this not signify or symbolize a larger threat? I agree. You know, we live in a society. Our colleague Ali Stuckey was uh, tweeting yesterday that she saw a woman. Uh, driving her pet around a grocery store in a stroller. And my immediate yeah, response yeah, yeah, to that yeah, was yes. odds that woman has had an abortion are what? Uh, off the chart, yeah. uh, very high, off the charts high. Okay. I mean, I don't know if it's still true, but Seattle as a city per capita used to have more dogs than children, more pets than kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I get the inclination to push back on it from that perspective. But if you if you take a step back and ask yourself, in what setting would someone wantonly, not accidentally, willfully, wantonly threatening my pet as a living thing not signify a larger threat, right? I mean, what do we often see as early signs for sociopathic violent behavior towards humans? Hurting animals. Hurting animals as a as a yeah. as a as a typography of that, right? So I, I, that's kind of how I would view it. I mean, how would this not, hey, I'm just here to hurt your dog, but I'm really have no threat to you on any other level. Yeah. I think the odds of that are probably not very high, no. actually. No. Yeah. Uh, moving on. What is the most accurate portrayal of a person, place, or thing, fictional or non-fictional, oh. you've ever seen in a motion picture? I got this. Okay. There is a scene in my head 
I've, I think I've mentioned this before. It is, and this is saying something, it is the greatest work of Tom Hanks' life. Arguably the greatest actor ever. Ar- arguably. I mean, just amazing, amazing work. Be- how many Oscars does he have? How many great movies does he sure. have? Uh, the, Our generation's Jimmy Stewart, basically. His last, in the last 15 minutes of the film, in Captain Phillips, when he's been rescued and he has a nervous breakdown, I can't believe that that's acting. Hmm. Now, I don't know what really happened to Captain Phillips, but I can totally believe after the pressure that happened, it looked like, the, not a bit of it, looks like it's acting it's like it was filmed like i don't know how there's a lot of things i can how you cry on cue stuff i can get i don't know how tom hanks did what he did at the end of captain phillips it's it's mesmerizing to me that he pulled that level off like i i remember the story about um apocalypse now uh when um the president in the west wing oh you're talking about um martin sheen martin sheen yeah well, he had to cry in that and weep bitterly. But he said his father had recently died and he just told the I'm going to do this once. And he says, I've never really mourned my father and I've got it in me and I'm going to do it on camera. So get this right because I'm going to do it. But he don't, I don't know what Tom Hanks tapped into to do what he did, but it was the damnedest thing I've ever seen. Heath Ledger's portrayal of Satan in The Dark Knight. Yeah. Because that's really who he's portraying. Of course, and now Nihilist- he's dead, maybe because yeah, of it. Yeah, nihilism incarnate, chaos incarnate. It's not morality or immorality. There is, there's nothing. It's just total nihilism. Um, it's destruction for destruction's sake. Um, putting humanity on trial the way that he does at the end. The desire to corrupt symbols um, of of of, the, of morality and righteousness. That again, that's not pagan. What paganism will try to do is is co-opt symbols of of righteousness. Like that's what Dan that's what Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code books are. That's a pagan revisionism of Christianity. Or, or Gnostic is a specific form of paganism. But they're not attempting to outright say that the 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 values or virtues pursued by Christianity on a certain level are in and of themselves unworthy. They're attempting to co-opt them into a pagan belief system, mm-hmm. an occultic belief system. What nihilism and what a demonic worldview does is it absolutely it's sacrilegious at its core, not as an effect. Like the effect of what the Da Vinci Code and Dan Brown and paganism want to do, the effect of it is sacrilegious, okay? Because if you remove the ultimate holiness of all of these relics and their and their and and these traditions, then really they they lose their value. Mm-hmm. You, they can't oh, yes. be co-opted, okay? Because they're set apart from our world, okay? Uh, they're from another world. They're from another kingdom. But what de- what demonic belief systems will do is not it, the premise of it is sacrilege the premise of it is sacrilege not just the result of it but the premise and purpose of it is sacrilege heath ledger uh there was a very smart reformed theologian who wrote a piece about this at the time gary damar is his name probably go back and google it if you want but he's the first one i remember making the observation that what heath ledger's really portraying here is the devil it's not the Joker. This is Satan. And that's, I think, the most realistic thing I've ever seen in a motion that's picture. That's one thing I didn't fully understand watching it the first time. One scene I love is uh, 
when uh, Batman tips over the um, the, the semi truck with the Joker in it, and the Joker gets out, and they basically he, uh, Batman races at him in his uh, in his yes. bat pod, yep. and the Joker said, "I want you to do it. I yeah. want you to. Kill. I want and you I to th- corrupt yourself." That's yes, it. I didn't at the first time. I just thought he was nihilistic. I don't care if I live or die. I like the carnage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I realized, no, it's my death is your death. Yes, I'm trying to remake yes. you into my image. Yes, I yes. will be like God. Yes. I'll remake you into being exactly. me. I'll put my impress my mark upon yep. you. You will emulate me now. Yep. Yes. When I thought of this question, well, well said, both of you. Um, when I thought of this question, immediately my gut reaction was basically the entirety of Lord of the Rings. You know, um, the stuff that they didn't cut from the books, I think, was basically a, a great transposition, uh, trans I should say, of, uh, of what was in the books. Final question. Yesterday, the Los Angeles Dodgers pulled pitcher Clayton Kershaw from their game oh at boy. the Minnesota Twins. So this thoughts. is what we were discussing and arguing about before the show. With six <laughs> outs remaining, they were up uh, after the top of the eighth inning, eight to nothing, I believe it was. And Kershaw had only thrown 80 pitches, six outs away from a perfect game, and they pulled him with a huge lead. The question is this, in what alternate universe is that ever okay? All right. So let me do this. Let me do our final live read. So we have the remainder of time Got it. to discuss this. Okay. Because this turned into like a theological treatise when we were discussing it before the show. Folks, in these unprecedented times, Bing. make sure you go in to the real estate market with a real estate agent you can trust. Aaron, you did that. Yep. You went into the real estate market with the, my old real estate agent mm-hmm. that I still trust to help me with lots of things. I recommended him to you. And how, now that the situation has reached completion, what's the review? Uh, excellent. Uh, Bella and I can now actually talk in our normal voices because we have a house now. Normal voices when Ben has gone to bed because we actually have a house now that has insulation. There you go. So wouldn't you love to have a real estate agent that like years from now? So my real estate agent, Scott Remsburg, the last time uh, he helped me go through a, a process was 2006. So 16 years later, I'm still recommending him to people, including my own employees. Would you not like to have a real estate agent like that? That's why you want to go to this website, realestateagentsitrust.com, because Glenn Beck and his associates that started that business, they want you to have a real estate agent like that too. You can find one when you go to this website. The name kind of says it all, realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, so Todd, I'll let you go first. Arguably the best pitcher of his era. Pulled out of a game where he's going to be, what, the 21st, 22nd player ever, maybe, in the history of baseball to throw a perfect game. And he does so because it's early year, early season, on a pitch count. Comes back today, says the manager made the right decision. I do not see that. Yeah. Oh, my. Your thoughts? Uh, I'm just going to uh, give uh, the dignity to answering this question to the great Fergie Jenkins, who I uh, posted on Twitter as saying, uh, not even if I had a broken arm and had to roll the ball over the plate, am I leaving a perfect game in the seventh? <laughs> he gets it. We don't know what we're doing anymore. This has been my point about, uh, like, with sports, all the sports bros, the reason they get into it, all the, the, they're honestly, there's a lot of, they made this a religion for the gambling. This is for the glory of the thing, the chance to do something. Yeah, we chose the wrong idolatry. Yes. We're supposed to live vicariously through these people, oh, yes. not nerd out about it. It's, okay, it's disgust. This is disgusting. It is. This is why I lament about Insta Replay. All that. None of you know what you're doing at all. 
If they stop playing baseball, period, stop playing sports, all of it. If you don't understand how it's more than stupid, it is morally corrupt and broken. I'm not saying that for cheap rhetoric. You don't know what you're doing as a living, breathing vessel. What are you chasing in life? Absolutely nothing, apparently. Something that has not been done by some of the greatest players of all time. You've already made hundreds of millions of dollars. You've already won Cy Youngs. You've already been an all-star. You just won a World Series. Why? Okay, so you can pitch next week against the Nationals. Really? Just take next week off. Come Rest your arm another week. I, I grew up, gosh, I hate being that guy, but I'm going to be that guy. First week of the regular season, 1984, and the first NBC game of the week, my Detroit Tigers against the defending American League West at the time, champion Chicago White Sox. Jack Morris on the mound. It is a frigidly cold day at Old Comiskey Park. He's walked a handful of batters. His, his, his pitch count skyrocketing, but he's got a no-hitter going. His manager is Dr. Hook himself, Sparky Anderson, the guy who literally created bullpen management baseball in the 70s with the Big Red Machine. I can't even envision that before the eighth inning, Sparky would have walked over to Jack Morris in the dugout and said, I mean, we got you on a pitch count this early in the season, Jack, so we got to sit you down and let Aurelio take this thing home. Because you know why? Because Sparky would have preferred to live. Because Jack Morris would have laid Sparky Anderson out right there in the in the in the dugout, and his teammates would have been like, "No, he had it coming." It would, the conversation wouldn't even been contemplated in those days. The idea that you would not gamble on a, on the idea on on an all time great achievement. Yeah. So you can throw 88 potentially meaningless pitches in a game next week at, if against the Marlins, I, whoever the hell they're playing. I don't even know. It doesn't matter because you were about to throw a perfect game. This is death of the West stuff. Yes, it is. It absolutely goes to the conversation we are having last hour with Elon. Yeah. Cyrilovich. I mean, the idea of, hey, and, and the next day I stand up for my manager because it's about consensus. And, com- and and and, and yeah. agreement. It's not about excellence, but consensus. Consensus matters more in the West these days than excellence does. Compliance matters more these days than truth does in the West. And this story is just a, in, another proof of it, Aaron. Clayton Kershaw, this is my pr- prediction. Clayton Kershaw will lose a major game, whether it's a World Series or a Championship Series, because of a robot umpire someday. And he will absolutely <laughs> deserve it. By the way, very quickly, Elon Musk saying, I don't care what it costs. This is about the truth, and I do have a yeah, plan B. really. Just now. There you go. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.